The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well today. We're in a series called On Second Thought. Today is part three, and um, if you've missed any from part one, two in this series, I encourage you to go back and listen. Our goal here is just to challenge the way we look at life, and in particular, we've been talking about certain groups of people, certain phases of life that can be challenging, and uh, you can go back and listen to some of that. Today, the subtitle of the message is Female Fallout, and um, got some words for you. I just want you to hear women, females, ladies, girls. Chicks, and I'm going to stop there because I'm going to get myself in trouble with anything else I say. So, but now that I've got your attention, there's a lot that comes to mind when we think of women. And, and there's some people in here that right now you look a little puzzled. There's some that look kind of concerned or curious. And um, some of you are thinking, oh, no, this is it. This is that moment when he says something dumb and he's on the couch for a month. And so just, you know, maybe that's your thought. Um, and, of course, some of us dread what could be next, assuming maybe we're going to talk about our feelings. In this series on second thought, the goal has been to rethink the way we process certain situations of life and how we view certain individuals. And today, the conversation is about women. Growing up, um, I was largely influenced uh, by media. I remember, I did, again, I didn't grow up in church, but I remember shows like Three's Company and um, let's see, WKRP in Cincinnati and MASH and things like that. And, and the truth is, if you know the females in those shows, and there's plenty of others, you can maybe assume kind of where I'm going with that. Um, so I was thinking about that, but to be honest, I feel like it was music more than anything that, that kind of shaped my view of females. And, and I went through a phase in, in kind of middle school, I guess, where I listened to rock, and so I remember like, like Motley Crue, Girls, 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 you know, that song, um, and uh, some of you now, it's going through your head, so you're welcome for that, but, um, but, but then, I, I, I don't know why, I went from rock to listening to rap, and it was kind of the, the kind of worst you could find or whatever, and, um, and I can't even begin to name all of the songs that involved females, and the truth is, um, most of it is not good, and, and words like objectifying or exploiting are definitely two that come to mind, and so just even in my own perspective growing up, up of females, there was all kinds of things that were sideways, and historically, there's a tragic history in the view of women, and, and maybe you didn't know some of this, but listen to this. Did you know that for thousands of years, the birth of a boy was celebrated while a, a daughter um, was something to disdain? That in third century BC, the Greek poet Posipidus wrote, everyone raises a son even if he is poor, but exposes a daughter even if he is rich. In the ancient Greco-Roman world, there was a huge shortage of women, about 140 men to 100 women. And if you wonder why, it's because females were left to die when they were born, quote unquote, the wrong Sex. The law of Romulus in Rome required a father to raise all healthy male children, but only the firstborn female. And even more recently, that's going back a ways, but even more recently, there have been evidences of women absent from the world that you and I live in today. The gender imbalance in China and India sparked an essay titled, More Than 100 Million Women Are Missing. 
And then it brings me to this, how does that embolden those who are involved in human trafficking? And I want you to hear this. In Asia, rich families that cannot find brides for their sons um, because of the smaller female population, they end up buying them from poorer families. And if they're not sold by their families, they're stolen from across the globe. Here's what I want you to know. That's why, for me, alarm bells go off when, when we hear locally somebody goes missing, a child goes missing. In particular, females, because back in the day, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, even years ago, if, if a kid decided to quote unquote run away, it might be an hour or two and they're down the street or they ended up at their friend's house. But today, if they don't go to the right places, they can end up being whisked away in vans and it happens along the I-5 corridor all the time. So when I say human trafficking, you need to know that we're not talking about on another continent or in another country, we're talking about right in our own backyard, which is why it's so scary when you hear about a child that all of a sudden has gone missing because you never know today where they're going to end up. On another note in this conversation, recently an outcry has been heard from women sexually assaulted in workplaces across the U.S., If you're not aware, the Me Too movement is the result of women saying they've had enough of being belittled or forced to do favors for promotions or raises, and they're tired of being shamed into silence. There are people that you and I watched on nightly news channels or entertainment TV, or they directed this or that, and these individuals have taken part in you know, this abuse of women that needs to stop, and women are tired of it. The question becomes for you and me, Are these problems what God had in mind for women? Does the Bible give us any hope for a difference in the way women have been historically viewed? And finally, a movement that that most of us are aware of from years ago, the question WWJD, what would Jesus do? And I want to start with a story out of Luke chapter 10. If you've got a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It's going to be on the screen. I think it's cool to, to get a, you know, familiar with the pages of the Bible if you've got one. Of course, if you've got a smartphone with the Bible app, you can look it up on there as well. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me, exclamation point. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Father, today we bring this to you. We pray for your spirit really to enlighten all of us, God, in this whole picture about females and and their role in this world and, and how tragic it's been, and yet what you would call us to, that many of us in this room would say we're followers of Christ, we believe in Jesus and, and love so much what he did for us, and yet I pray this would translate in that whole picture of following you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's a story that most of us, if we've been in church for any length of time, we've heard, I've even preached on, talking about this whole idea about busyness, and that's a great point to make, that sometimes when we're busy, it's easy to miss the voice of Jesus in our life, and it's true, but I want to look at verse 39 for a window into a key part of this passage. It says here, she had a sister Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said. 
Now, the flannel board picture of this in your Sunday school class, if you were in one growing up, and the flannel board's there, and here's Jesus, and here's a bunch of his disciples, and they're walking along on this journey, and they go by trees and whatever else on the flannel board, and they get to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Jesus, you know, they knock on the door, and the door opens, and look, oh, here's Martha, and here's Mary, and they go inside, and there's a crowd that ends up being in there, and Jesus is teaching the whole crowd, and here's Mary, and Mary is sitting there listening to all that Jesus has to say while Martha is busy and she's making sure all the sandals are lined up at the the front door and the water's fresh for cleaning your feet and there's a pie baking and things are being dusted and she's upstairs and she's downstairs and she's saying, hey Alexis, you know, turn on Hillsong worship and all that stuff's going on. Okay, that's not part of it, but anyway. um, But but that's what's going on and, and so that's kind of the picture that we see. And she at one point, noticing that her sister is not helping, turns to Jesus and says, this is ridiculous. Jesus, tell her to help me. And we think sometimes we would never treat Jesus that way. And yet how many of us have prayed a prayer and said, and now, Lord, do it now. Where are you, Lord? Come on. So here's this picture in fine busyness and all that great stuff. But I want you to notice, like I said, verse 39. And verse 39 reminds us she had a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. That idea is not just that Jesus is sitting there or standing there or whatever teaching and Mary is sitting and there's Jesus' feet. That's not the point that Luke would be making to a first century audience. In fact, they would have understood it in the same way and it's the same term that Paul uses in the book of Acts when he's bringing up his credentials for why he's preaching the gospel and where it came from because he's being persecuted in Acts chapter 22, defending himself. Paul says this, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. And you go, big deal. What does that have to do with anything? Paul uses the same technical term in Luke ten, uh, that, that is used by Luke in, in Luke 10. I studied under Gamaliel. I was a disciple of Gamaliel. I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. And that's the picture that we would understand from that perspective back in the first century that Mary is not just sitting there because she's lazy or sitting there because she's enthralled with Jesus. She's sitting there and Jesus is inviting Martha to join Mary in being a disciple of his. And you go, well, what's the big deal with that? 2,000 years ago, it was, it was completely unheard of that a female had the same right as a man to learn under somebody like Jesus. And yet Jesus invites Martha to join Mary as a disciple. The crowd would have definitely taken note. Women were included in the group that followed Jesus, and Jesus himself is the one that made the invitation. I want you to notice a few other things, and I'm going to be in different spots here in the New Testament. Author John Ortberg reminds us that, that it was women who were at the cross. He says this, in the Gospels... It was women who followed Jesus to the cross when all the men were afraid and ran away. And not one amen from a lady. Come on! Okay, the early church father, John Chrysostom, wrote that here is where womanhood most shows its courage when the disciples had fled, these were present. 
Mark 15, if you're taking notes, verse 40 and 41. Some, woman, some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him, uh, there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. They were there also, women at the cross. Another one is that there were women at the tomb. In the four gospels that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first witnesses to Jesus' resurrection were women. Keep in mind, in Jesus' day, women's testimony was often disregarded. The Greek philosopher Celsus argued that there were no good grounds for believing the resurrection, noting, listen, who saw this? A hysterical female, as you say, and perhaps someone other who were deluded by this same sorcery. Even in Israel, a woman's testimony carried similar weight in court as a minor, not nearly the same as a man's testimony, which might be why we read Luke 24, 1 through 11 this way. On the first, this is Luke 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women went... Uh, Sorry, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, angels. In fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the son of man? must be delivered in the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again? Then they remembered his words. When they came back, listen to this, when they came back, the women from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. Look at verse 11. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I don't know if you find that nearly as comical as I do, but I'm thinking, wait a minute, here they are, they're going, we, we, we went to the tomb and we brought spices and we were going to try to work on it, but the tomb, the, the, it was rolled away, we saw angels and, and Jesus wasn't there and they said he's risen and the guys are like, yeah, come on, that's not true, I don't understand it. And then later, Jesus appears to them, and I would have loved to be one of the women there, because here's what it is. Jesus appears, the disciples go, oh, look, it's true, the women were right, and the women were like, I told you so, because I'm married, I've experienced that moment before, anyone else with me? Yeah, right? And so, here it is, it was, it was all four Gospels, it was the women who went there first. I don't know if you're aware of this, but, but it says in Luke 8 that it was women who funded the ministry of Jesus. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Jesus made a declaration in a text that you might not understand unless you've studied it, where he says, well, basically, he says, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave birth and nursed you. And Jesus replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. 
And I bring this up because 2,000 years back, it was women who, who were known for being blessed because of their ability to have children, their identity being wrapped up in their ability to bear children, and that was their identity. For, so for this woman to call out all of a sudden, blessed is the woman who birthed you and nursed you, and you'd expect Jesus to go, my mom was awesome, Virgin Mary, she's incredible, thank you, ma'am, for that. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus instead brings it back around to a whole different understanding. He says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And you might go, big deal. But the big deal is this, Jesus is reshifting the identity of a woman even in this text that the highest calling of a woman is not about bearing children as much as it is the same calling as a man, knowing and doing the will of God. Women equal to men. See, one of the things that, that I've said before, Paul over and over writes certain things that would have made the blood of the religious leaders boil. And it did, and they were angry. And eventually they got Paul, and he was martyred for his faith. But, but one of the things Paul writes is in Galatians chapter three, he's writing something that if he was vulnerable at this moment, they would have killed him right on the spot. Galatians three twenty six through 28. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed, your, clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus, over and over, is elevating the place of females in history, and it's taking a long time for our world to catch up. In fact, when you and I observe communion, do you notice that we all observe communion in the same way? that we all, male or female, take the elements together. We all pray and we walk through Jesus taking with the disciples his broken body, and this is my body broken for you. Do this in a and for And it's the same because we're inviting that men and women, Jew and Gentile, are welcome to appreciate the broken body and the blood shed for all of us. And on top of that, the invitation that we're all then part of the body of Jesus Christ, male and female. Another point that I want to make and try to land the plane here in a second is women in leadership. Going back to Ortberg said, this radical view of women meant that they began to take on unusually prominent roles of leadership in the early church. Roughly half of the households Paul mentions that for the infrastructure for the early church are headed by women. Women began to find value in a new community to which they would devote their lives. Pliny the Younger noted in a letter to the emperor in order to learn about the faith, in order to persecute them, says, I judge it all the more necessary to find out what the truth is by torturing two female slaves who were called deaconesses. It's a role of oversight and leadership in a church setting. We see women who prophesy, women who teach, women who provide logistical oversight, women who pray throughout Paul's writings about the early church. Jesus values and respects women. If you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, you can imagine it's a pretty heavy read. 
and I've read it and there are examples replete in there of not just men and children included, but also women who gave up their lives rather than denounce their faith in Christ. And Apollonia was one of these. She was an elderly woman who was beaten. Her jaw was broken. Her teeth were shattered. And then she willingly went into the flames of fire to her death because she wouldn't renounce her faith in Christ. Maybe you've heard the name Elizabeth Elliot. Maybe you haven't, but 50, 55 years ago, her husband went to South America to try to reach a people group that nobody had reached before. They were so unfamiliar that they didn't even know what they were getting themselves into. And him and his companion went and wanted to share the gospel and they were immediately killed by this tribe in South America. And Elizabeth Elliot's heart was broken, but, but not just that she lost her husband. Of course, she was broken over that, but she was broken over the fact these people wouldn't hear. And she felt called to go herself and she went and she got to share the gospel with that tribe. And over a short amount of time, they all gave their lives to faith in Christ. I I spent a season two and a half years away from here a few years back. And um, I was at a church in Renton that exists today in multiple locations. They reach over 4,000 people, but it's because two women started a Sunday school class in rural Renton a hundred years ago. And today look what's happened. I say all this because the value and the role of women in the church is something that ought to be respected. It's something incredible. And yet in the history of the world, it seems like society doesn't get it. And what I want to do is take a few minutes and maybe offer you just some practical ways to shift the way that we look at females in the world that we're a part of. And the first one is this. And I love my wife and I went over and she gave me some notes and thoughts and here you go. But challenge how we speak about coworkers. Challenge how, and, and, and maybe you, it's no big deal, but maybe what happens is if, if the guys are gathered, it's just you and another guy or whatever, you're saying things that you would never say if another woman is around, maybe second guess ever saying it. Maybe having conversations that, that maybe bring a little slant or a little not so positive in the conversation and you would never mention it if your wife was never around and maybe you shouldn't mention it at all then. Second guess what you say about those that are around you. Maybe it's coworkers. Maybe, and especially with social media and Jordan and communion kind of mentioned it, it's so easy to shred and and rip on and complain about people we've never met because they have a large platform or they're famous or they're at a distance from us so we can say whatever we want to. Maybe you should second guess that because I think Jesus would. Here's a great one, and I personally love this one. Men include women in on your conversations. What I mean is, like, for, for us, even as, as, a, as a guy, as a husband, and stuff, there are things that I don't fully understand that I love to say, babe, can we talk about something? Because I don't know that I'm getting it. Or, hey, maybe you got some insight. And by the way, almost every message, I go, babe, look over my notes. Give me some thoughts. And this is a really good one because I'm in way over my head. You're like, you're in way over your head. I know. But, but include women in, because maybe you've never heard this, but women have a sixth sense guys don't have. Maybe you didn't know that, but it's true. And the older you are, if you didn't know that, wake up. There's something about the way they process information that maybe, as my wife said, it may take a little longer to process, but they'll see things from a perspective that as a guy, you just plain can't see. I've experienced it many times over, and it absolutely is a blessing if we're willing to humble ourselves and go, okay, I need to ask somebody and okay, I need to talk to my wife about it. Bring females into the conversation. The third thing, stop excusing sexually objectifying women. 
Again, little snide comments or little remarks or little elbows towards guys about the gal walking and whatever happens all the time. And I love it. And again, Heather mentioned this. Ann Voskamp says this. Listen, when boys will be boys, girls will be garbage. Think about it. Because typically, when that phrase is used when boys will be boys, it's as an excuse to get away with some behavior they shouldn't be getting away with towards a female. When boys will be boys... Girls will be garbage. Shh. <laughs> so quiet. And, and finally this, rethink your media choices. I mentioned to you before whether it was TV shows, but for me, I really look back on the music. And, and even today, I could say this. There are certain songs, I love the beat and I love how they go and the rhythm and all that stuff, but if I listen to the lyrics... Guys, I got stuff in my head that I hate is there from lyrics I listened to 25 years ago, 24, 23 years ago. I hate that it's there because it doesn't help me have a healthy perspective of females. And the truth is for you and I, whether it's our music selection and the actual lyrics or, or the TV show, and well, I like that storyline and that one and that one, but all, you know, we're excusing, we're supporting certain things that, that, that we need to be cautious about what we're viewing, what we're putting before us, as well as the message we're sending by supporting those things. It's feeding a culture where women are not cherished. It's feeding a culture where marriage vows are not cherished. We can't participate in this and then um, be shocked when women are not respected in real life. We've talked about that, Heather and I. It is amazing to me that in all the, the media, it baits you up to the edge and you laugh about things and all this stuff goes on. And then when you hear it in real life, we act shocked. Why? If we're willing to be entertained by it, why do we act shocked by it in real life? Well, because media is different because that's a fake world because that's just a movie. Yeah, but it's putting things in you that somehow it's easy to start justifying. That's not a big deal. Dorothy Sayers was the first woman to receive a degree from Oxford, and she became a devoted follower of Christ. She explains why, and I just want you to hear this. Perhaps it's no wonder that the women were the first at the cradle and last at the, gra- at the cross. They had never known a man like this man. There had never been such another, a prophet and teacher who never nagged at them, never flattered or coaxed or patronized, who never made arc jokes about them, who never treated them either as the women, God help us, or the ladies, God bless them, who rebuked without demeaning and praised without condescension, who took their questions and arguments seriously, who never mapped out their sphere for them, never urged them to be feminine or jeered at them for being female, who had no ax to grind and no uneasy male dignity to defend. And this is why this topic matters on second thought. Because you and I, we say this as as the Grove Church all the time, we're called to shine the light of Christ. And if we find ourselves falling in line with everything our society puts out there that's stereotypical, that's biased, that's judgmental on all kinds of levels, and we don't stand up against something, stand up for something different, then how are we any different than this world that we're called to reach? That for us to look at women and value and respect females the way that Jesus did, I believe sends a message that this world still needs to understand. I have two daughters that are going to grow up in it. 
For you, what kind of ladies are you surrounded by? Is it your mom? Is it your sister? Is it your niece? Is it your daughter? Or maybe it's simply the female that will marry your son one day. We're called to get it right because in in the respect and value that Jesus showed for women that you and I are called to show, it will help people see Jesus through us. And as somebody said a long, long time ago, for some people, the only Jesus they will ever see is the six-foot person standing before them. For me, it's more like 5'9". For you, I don't know what your height is. But you get the point. We're called to look and live differently. And I really believe because Jesus had that kind of respect, my prayer is that we would see women the way Jesus does. Father, today... God, sure, these are challenging messages. And absolutely, God, I'm in way over my head. We could have, you know, I don't have a lady speak that day. Be a lot easier. And yet, God, I feel like it needs to come from a guy. That, Lord, we, we can do this differently. That, God, there's things that we can learn on this journey going, man, God, we want to get these things right. And, and for me, as I look back on my history, falling prey to all kinds of, of thoughts, God, that I grew up in music-wise and, and, and entertainment-wise, God. The fact that many of us in this room, God, whether it's different jokes or snide comments or even assumptions or stereotypes, God, I pray our hearts today would go, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Father. And I pray for ladies in this room, God, that have been exploited, God, that have been damaged, God, that, that Lord, they had to dance a certain way, do a certain thing, say a certain thing, whatever, to get whatever promotion, to, to receive whatever bonus, to, to get whatever in life, that God, you would bring healing to those areas where they've been wounded where there's been distrust, where they've been hurt, betrayed, lied to. And Father, my prayer is that we can be the source of hope and healing, God, for a world that we live in, that you call us to be different, that we respect, that we can appreciate. God, that we can value the females that we're surrounded by, wherever that may be. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.